The Truth News Network. Shaking your head yet? When a political agenda comes between friends, even family, not just by design, but by order of sitting government officials, someone is afraid of something, really afraid. What do we do now? We start by examining the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your voice on the battlefield is Dan Newman. All we can do is take a look at it, folks. We can do our best to figure out what we hear and what we're told is truthful and what isn't. And more and more and more, it seems like we're, we're, giving a, uh, we're given a sandwich every day that is just simply a blather sandwich that is just full of partisan spin and thuggery and hackery and my truth and your truth and big government and bigger and bigger government and what about that rule of law? Who cares about that rule of law thing? The chaos is extraordinary in our nation today. I don't see it lifting anytime soon either. To do that would require some real leadership Uh, a person in the White House that didn't just give a speech on January 20th and use the word unity, unity, unity over and over and over again. He did use, this president, when he was inaugurated, did use the word fear quite a bit as well. And you put that word in the context of unity and the two just don't fit. But he's trying, folks. Joe Biden's trying to make everybody in the nation and also our partners around the world believe that what we have here is unity. And we're not afraid of anything. We're certainly not afraid of anybody from another country. And of course, that includes the CCP virus, coronavirus. Hi there. <laughs> How are you doing? Did you weather the weekend? Weather being a key word. It's hot, folks. Oh my gosh, it's hot. You know, we even we, we, we haven't even gotten into the dog days of summer. Dog days of summer were supposed to be in August. We'll be there next Sunday, but we got another week of July, and our forecast in Louisiana is hot and steamy. And you look around the nation, there are a lot of pockets where it's really, really bad. I mean, dry fires, horrible fires, destruction. It's climate change, we're told. No, it's not climate change in the context of the way they pitch it, which is we cause that. We control by our actions our climate. Never happened before in world history, folks. Climates change. They always do. I would feel a lot better and would be more inclined to support some of these environmentalists if they would just talk about Pollution, because that's really what matters. That's something that man can and does impact in our world by putting trash and chemicals in the ground, in the water, in the the uh, air around us. We can stop all that kind of stuff. But to talk about our being able to actually manipulate the climate on planet Earth, that is not backed up by science. I'm sorry. If it was true and they could do it, why the heck do they let hurricanes happen? Why do they let tornadoes happen? Why do they let droughts happen? If we can, men, 
If we can manipulate the weather, why the heck aren't we doing it? (laughs) If we're doing it, let's do it for something good rather than continue to let all these things that they say we can impact continue to impact us in a bad way. That's a conundrum. That's one example of a bunch of conundrums we're going to visit here today. Who are you going to hear from? Well, of course, you're going to hear from me. You're going to hear from Larry Kudlow, one of the chief economists in the whole world. And uh, he was active in the Trump administration. He's got a show on Fox Business Channel. He's got one guest on there that I really like. You're going to hear from both of those, Larry Kudlow and also Jim Jordan, congressman from Ohio. And uh, we're going to talk, of course, about immigration. You're going to hear from Mad Woman from MSNBC, Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow. She sets the stage for what I think Democrats are looking at and are afraid that's going to happen in their future. And the initials of what they're pointing their fear at is DT. Donald Trump. Everything evolves around Donald Trump. When news gets slow, they find a way to circle back and tie Donald Trump in it. He's the evil in their past. Of course, if he gets back in office, he's going to be their evil in their future, and he's still the evil in their lives today. So Rachel Maddow is going to talk to us, as does Senator Ted Cruz today. Our main story the lead story on truthnewsnet.org this morning. We're not going to go into it, but it brings to question some of the narrative that are being spun by the Democrat Party. One thing you can say about the left in the nation, they don't sit down and shut up. They're into it 100%, 24-7. And they're all sold on the political narrative of the day that Democrat Party leaders throw out there. And then you have the likes of the gang, the squad, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, uh, Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley, And they're pulling their party and their ideology even further to the left. As we sit here today sharing this show, they're pulling and pulling and pulling. And of course, when you see the opposite of what they're pulling us to, when you see that breaking out in America, they, they just want us to sit down and be quiet. They, they don't want us to consider what's going on in Cuba in compared to what goes on here in the United States of America. They don't want us to even think or talk about those Cuban people that are protesting and demonstrating in the streets of Havana and other cities around the island of Cuba. They don't want us to realize or even think about those Cubans are wearing American flags, waving American flags, They're crying. They want the same freedoms that we have in America. The very things that the squad is hopefully pushing us away from. Actually, they want us to be more like the island nation of Cuba. A lot of consternation here, this critical race theory. We're not going to get into CRT today. We've we've been pretty exhaustively putting that out there just to make sure everybody understands what it really is. And it's a racist theology. And if you, uh, if you examine it, if you look closely at it, if you go do a little reading yourself, you're going to find out that's exactly what it is. 
So what we're going to do today is we're going to launch right in to the stories and the things that you may have missed some of over the weekend while you were being involved with your family. And I hope you were doing that over the weekend. That's a great time to just sit down a little bit and relax, begin your weekend every weekend with our bullet point Saturday morning stories in which we kind of capsule the biggest things that happened the previous week that you may have missed. Some of them you haven't missed, just read the bullet point and uh, just move on to the next bullet point. And if you're in the Saturday bullet points and you see the few sentence description of one particular story and you want more, you just click on the link right there and go get a full story. So we're just going to continue what we do here and that's share information. And so Dr. Fauci, (laughs) I know you're shocked that he's in our first story at the top of the hour today. Well, he can't sit back and be still. He can't let the world play out. He just can't do it. He's got to find some way to insert himself into every conversation. Doesn't matter what it is. And he turns it around to do something with medicine, with um, epidemiology and virology. Those, of course, are his areas of expertise. So he's got to put everything in the context of his world. So what he did this time, late Friday, he said that he and the CDC, it's not the CDC thinks this or thinks that. He always prefaces it by saying, I and the CDC, they are considering, according to the good doctor, to reinstate public mask marrying regardless of the vaccination status of the person. It was on CNN's State of the Union. And Fauci revealed he and the federal health agency are taking that mask mandate under active consideration when they discussed the potential changes in public guidelines. He pointed out that in some locations where infection rates are really, really getting tall, people are already being encouraged to wear masks in public regardless of whether or not they're vaccinated. In the middle of the concerns about the new variant that he's planted out there, he hadn't planted the variant, I don't think, but he's planted that concern and he's also planning panic and fear. But in the middle of all this and the new COVID infection, St. Louis County and L.A. County have brought back their public mask-wearing requirements, including vaccinated residents. So while they're recommending the community to put a mask on, Las Vegas made it compulsory for all employees of business in the county. That's Clark County. So everybody that works for the government and everybody that works for a private business in Clark County has got to wear a mask. Those municipal restrictions, according to Dr. Fauci, did not infringe with the CDC's suggestion that the vaccinated could omit wearing masks in public, given that local officials have the authority to impose mandates if they so desire. Let's for a second look at the legality of that. Federal government, that's who Fauci works for. The federal government has no constitutional authority to mandate anybody wear a mask. Did you know that? Fauci... He doesn't want to think that. And it's such a big deal for him to be considered to be the 
authority on all things COVID. He had to make it because Clark County got in front of him and the CDC. And L.A. County got in front of him and the CDC on the mask thing, and he put it out there. Well, if you're looking at what's going on locally in the trenches in places like Los Angeles County, the local officials have the discretion, he said, and the CDC agrees with that ability and discretion capability to say, you know, you're in a situation where we're having a lot of dynamics of infection, but even if you're vaccinated, you should wear a mask. Now, put that in the context of what we've lived through with Dr. Fauci for the last 16, 18 months. When you put it in that context, folks, he's either a liar or he's not. There's no in-between. The mask and social distancing, and of course the vaccine. Get those, do those, and you'll never have to wear a mask again. And now, not so much. Well, the vaccines aren't working like we thought they would, and there are breakthrough infections. People that have had the vaccination are catching COVID. Two weeks ago in the United States, never heard Fauci, tell you what I'm about to say, from the CDC VAERS website that they publish, Fauci's crew, two weeks ago, the official deaths reported to coroners from around the nation. Of those deaths that the official cause of death was COVID-19, more of those people who died had been vaccinated than the number of people who died who had not been vaccinated. Why haven't they been trumpeting that fact? Why haven't they given us? Why does not Jim Psaki at the White House press briefing podium go into that, give us the numbers of the breakthrough infections of those on the staff at the White House? Because it doesn't fit their narrative. Their narrative is don't look at and listen and follow the science unless we tell you what in science is what you're supposed to listen to. Don't believe the science. Believe the partisan spin that we're putting out there. Let me give you an example. Johns Hopkins University, pretty reliable source, I think everybody would agree when it comes to medicine. Well, their researchers found No deaths in a group of 48,000 healthy kids that were diagnosed with COVID. Now, let me repeat that. 48,000 healthy children diagnosed with COVID. Not one of them died. The study was led by Dr. Marty McCary, who's a medical expert and a professor at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Here's what he said. We found a mortality rate of zero among children without a pre-existing medical condition such as leukemia. And this story was published a week ago. Based on these results, Dr. McCary defines as flimsy the CDC argument to impose the COVID vaccine on children. And he further argues the CDC lacks transparency and rigorous research about all the stuff that they tell us is the science. 
To support that, he said they overcount hospitalizations and deaths from COVID and don't consider whether a single injection is sufficient. McCary specifically criticized the CDC's reliance on the 335 deaths of children under 18, voluntarily reported through the VAERS page, but without lifting a finger to investigate those cases, the actual cases of those deaths. McCary, Dr. McCary said this, CDC has 21,000 employees, 21,000 government employees. They're there to investigate and find out everything they can about infectious diseases. They haven't researched each death, according to Dr. McCary, to find out whether COVID caused it or if it involved a pre-existing medical condition. The National Education of Association, now he's talking about a union now, teachers union. The NEA has been debating whether to urge schools to require vaccination before returning to school in person. How can they or anyone debate the issue without using the right data? Not the least of which is the fact that simple inoculation with that controversial experimental drug does subject minors to side effects that do, he didn't say they might, they do affect the kid's health. There may also be unique side effects in children from the second COVID-19 vaccine dose, he said. Seven adolescent children were reported to have myocarditis within four days after getting a second Pfizer vaccine dose. All were in boys ages 16 to 19. Now that's, that's a piece of data, a piece of information. And what they at the CDC call that is evidence. Evidence. But the CDC doesn't even recognize their own evidence. And there's even more out there about COVID today. Singapore, one of the most beautiful cities on the planet, it's at the southern tip of the Malaysia Peninsula. Singapore data shows that most COVID-19 infected cases in Singapore were in vaccinated citizens. Three quarters of the confirmed positive cases of COVID over the past month in Singapore, 75% folks, were among vaccinated people. On Thursday, the data showed that since June 25th, the country has recorded 1,096 new locally infected patients. In that, 44% of them were fully vaccinated. 30% had received one of the vaccines, just one, one dose, whereas the unvaccinated accounted for slightly more than 25%. Now, this is according to Reuters, so it's not a fly-by-night, far-right-left news agency. And those vaccines we're talking about were the one from Pfizer and the one from Moderna. The Singapore Health Ministry said that the country had six cases of severe illnesses, one in critical condition and intensive care, but none had been vaccinated. Now, they have a total population of almost six million. Singapore's had half of its legitimate citizens vaccinated. 75% have received at least one dose. Singapore is a nation. I don't know if you know about it. It started as a city, was part of Malaysia. They went out and did their own thing about 
35 or 40 years ago. They were only behind the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, and world-leading countries with their vaccination progress. But it was noted that vaccines may not be the unilateral move to fend off the pandemic caused by the virus, COVID-19. After watching spikes in infections there, the country four days ago returned to their phase two, which is their heightened alert, which included limiting social gatherings and suspension of dining and services. The message to everyone in this phase two thing is to please stay at home. Minimize your movements, social interactions as much as you can. I'm sure they would be very disappointed to know that they now have to close and cannot allow for customers to dine in, especially for our food and beverage operators. Folks everywhere around the world, people are experiencing the same fallout from COVID-19. It's still a mystery. We still don't know. In fact, I would say we don't, we don't know 10% of everything to do with COVID-19. And yet, we're, the United States, the most forward-thinking, the most research and evidence-minded country on planet Earth. We have the best of the best. That's what we're told. And yet we don't have the answers. A story comes out in Israel over the weekend. Israel's health ministry confirmed that the Pfizer vaccine is just 39% effective in preventing COVID-19 transmission. Also, the health ministry indicated vaccine is 41% effective in preventing symptomatic COVID. It should be noted that a few months ago, the effectiveness of the injection was up over 90%. Now, folks, that's, that's not a little bitty slide or slip in the effectiveness of a vaccine. It was 90% effective just a couple of months ago. And now... It slipped to under 50%. The vaccine is only 41% effective in preventing symptomatic COVID. I don't understand this. I don't have the answers. And sadly, neither does our government. Speaking of our government, what about Jen Psaki? On Friday... In a White House press briefing, it was televised live, most of them are, she refused to release the number of COVID-19 infections on the vaccinated staff of the White House. And of course, those infections after you've been vaccinated are called breakthrough cases. She wouldn't give anybody the number in the, the news media. And the, the, the question was asked. She was When she asked, she said this, She was asked, are y'all trying to hide something? She said, no. And then asked this strange and odd question of the reporter who asked her this. No, but why do you need to have that information? Transparency in the interest of the public, having a better understanding of how breakthrough cases work here in the White House. That was how the reporter responded to her. That was a curious thing for a press leader in any political position, but especially at the White House. When she was asked, she said, Saki, no, but why do you need to have that information? Like it's none of your business. 
Saki pointed to efforts by the CDC to track breakthrough cases. There's a range of means our public health officials are tracking across the country, across D.C., across any individuals here in the White House, she said, about who is vaccinated, who is getting the virus, getting hospitalized. It remains a small percentage. No facts, though. And that's curious to me. Typically in politics, you know what that typically means. If they don't want to talk about it, there's something in it that if they did speak to it about to us, it would make them look pretty bad. So before we leave this, come back down to my state. I don't know if you remember several years ago, there was a sheriff in uh, St. Landry Parish, which is the parish that encompasses Opelousas, Louisiana. If you're familiar with that, it's actually a city uh, right on Interstate 49 in South Louisiana. His name is Clay Higgins, and he had a very, very aggressive sheriff's department there for prosecuting criminals, not giving people free passes. And he basically, for the whole parish, in his years serving as sheriff, he cleaned it up. He ran for Congress, and he won. He's in his second term in Congress. Well, yesterday on Facebook, Congressman Higgins revealed that he and his wife had the COVID virus a year ago. Yeah, that's not a big deal. Both he and his wife have it again, right now. Now, they had it in the very early going of the COVID-19 pandemic. Actually, it wasn't even called a pandemic. It was in late January last year when it first all began. So technically, you know, I think based upon Fauciism, he really doesn't count. They really don't count because obviously they hadn't been vaccinated. So they get COVID, COVID-19, diagnosed, get sick. They get over it naturally. And then here we are, let's see, from January, that'd be 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18 months later. 18 months later, they get it again. And they've both been vaccinated. This is just getting out of hand. There's no explanation for any of this. We're still dealing with the, well, let's just deal with the trauma of the day regarding COVID-19. Let's let's just keep that mask mandate thing in our back pocket. And every time the cases spike up anywhere in the United States, let's just pull out that mask again. And then when it sounds good and people are reaching the limit of their accessibility they got to get out of the house. They've got to stop this mask thing. We'll tell them, okay, but social distance, just don't wear the mask when you go outside, but inside you got to. And then, well, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to. And now it's, it doesn't matter if you've been vaccinated, you got to wear a mask. And then it is, if you've been vaccinated, you got to wear a mask everywhere, including indoors. What the heck are we going to do for the rest of our lives? What information, what factual information are we going to act on? Who's going to give it to us? It certainly is not from the Biden administration or any of the medical experts that are serving us supposedly as the experts coming from the White House. So we can walk away from Fauciism, walk away from coronavirus today and move on to another 900-pound gorilla in our room, 
the travesty at the southern border. This thing's, it's, it, let, me, let me just tell you, if you don't listen to anything on this show today, but this, listen to this. This thing at the southern border, we are inches away from a armed slash military conflict at the southern border of especially Texas. Why is that? People in Texas have had enough. I mean, this didn't just start for them. Do you realize we bring these numbers to you, these stats that we pick up and get through the years? In a two-year period, three years ago, in a two-year period, in the state of Texas alone, there were 600,000 felony actions that were taken against Texans by illegal aliens in a two-year period. 600,000. And those cases ranged from first-degree murder down to burglary. Now, how, as the federal government, can you reconcile that being okay? I don't care if you're Joe Biden. Joe Biden believes in open borders. But does Joe Biden, does he believe in the rule of law? If he does, why is, on his watch, our federal government not enforcing the laws? Well, they're doing it willy-nilly, and it's just because this is something that's way, 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 way different. There's no other thing happening around that's anything remotely close to that. No, there's not. Why not? Because all of these officers, all of these elected officials, every one of them pledged to note to enforce the laws and protect the Constitution. Everybody that serves must make that oath. And when they purposely turn their backs on the laws, they're turning their backs upon their commitments to the American people. How would you feel if you lived in Texas and you had two teenagers, one boy, one girl, and in some incident, middle of the night, y'all are all asleep at home, somebody breaks into your home, rapes your daughter, and shoots your son. That happened more than once in Texas during that two-year period. Well, we don't like the immigration laws. They're unfair. Change them. Change them. But it is a criminal violation, folks, a felony to suborn the breaking of any federal law. And Joe Biden himself is suborning criminality every day by keeping the border open. He is spending, listen to this, the President of the United States, Congress allocated $2 billion to complete one particular portion of the southern border wall. Congress did that, which means no president has any authority. You know the co-equal branches of the government? No president has the authority to turn his back and violate something that Congress voted on and was signed into law by a previous president. He can't do it. Biden's doing it willy-nilly. He canceled the contracts with those contractors that were building the law. And you know what? We're paying, the federal government is paying those contractors $2 billion to not build the wall. We have a contract with these companies. 
and by jingos, we're the government. We're going to honor our contracts, but we're not going to honor the contracts with the American people. We're not going to do the constitutional duties that we swore and pledged that we would support, protect, and uphold. We're not going to do that. And furthermore, we're going to thumb our nose at the United States Congress that passed law. Why? Did you hear anybody from the left ever use the D word when they talked about the past president? And I'm not talking about his name. I'm talking about a title. I heard it over and over and over again. All of you did too. Dictator. Donald Trump wants to be a dictator. Donald Trump never broke a law. He didn't suborn criminality. If he would have, he would have been impeached far more than twice. Joe Biden is bulletproof. The facts don't matter to people in his party. The facts don't matter to the the voice of the Democrat Party, which includes MSNBC, CNN, the New York Times, Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, LA Times, over and over and over and over again. They're assisting in suborning criminality. The first requirement of a nation to be a democracy, be a representative republic, and remain that, the first requirement is to have a structure of legality with which the people can trust those in power will honor and support and use and enforce. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he's pretty vocal anti-immigration from this administration. Yesterday, we told you last week that Texas was going to start enforcing laws against these illegal aliens on their own. Well, they have. He revealed yesterday Texas is arresting and jailing illegals and they're doing it to combat the border crisis. Abbott highlighting that President Biden and his administration's catch and release program is opening the floodgates for people who are coming from countries where there is an extremely low vaccination rate. Nobody talks about this in the Biden administration. We're law-abiding American citizens, and they shut down tens of thousands of law-abiding American citizens' businesses with no authority to do it. They shut it down with fear. They shut it down with retribution. They shut it down with threats. And yet they won't, they won't do what they say we have to do. They don't give a rip about these illegal aliens coming in here having COVID-19. If they did, they'd be testing every one of them. They would be isolating every one of them. They're not doing that. Haven't done it. Aren't going to do it. In my own city, Shreveport, Louisiana, Mayorkas's Homeland Security Department last week dumped 17 Haitian refugees in our city, on the street, nobody knew they were coming. There was no infrastructure in place to help take care of them. They just let them out. No idea of their COVID-19 medical status. Now, thankfully, here in the South, we're very accommodating to those that have troubles. Those people were assimilated into our to our city. And we've been notified there are more Haitian refugees, illegal aliens coming in later this week. We'll do the same thing again. 
But when you know now that we've had a million come to our southern border since he was inaugurated, and he knows that, we know there are a million of those, wouldn't it be nice to know how many of them had COVID and where every one of those million people are just to make sure that they're keeping us safe? Isn't that what President Biden promised he was going to do for all of us, keep us safe, take care of us? He was going to bring us back better? Do you think it's better now? (laughs) If you do, you're in the minority. Yeah, there are polls out now. Biden is not doing a good job. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. So that $2 billion he's spending down south works out to be about $3 million every day to stop structure on that border wall. $3 million a day. Let me ask you this. If you're town, your city, if your church could access $3 million a day and couldn't touch personally a dime of it, but had to spend it on things to help people, how much could you get done, your church get done, your school get done, your town get done with $3 million a day? $3 million a day. $90 million a month. How many scholarships, secondary education scholarships, could you subsidize with $3 million a day? How much infrastructure could you get done? I mean, you can keep asking the questions. And the only thing that really matters through it all, folks, is it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We're going to go to our first break. When we come back, we've got one more. uh, Actually, we've got two. Two more stories on COVID-19. And one of them is about mandating vaccinations. And folks, nobody wants to talk about it as a possibility, but it is already a reality. And it's going to stare each of us in the face. That and much more here at TNN Live. 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 10 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 10 10 Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember 10 10 10. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They They toasted toasted six-month-old-aged cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is... This is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa Box is back. Only at Taco Bell. 
At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra. Drinks excludes freezes. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. George Orwell said freedom is the right to tell someone what they don't want to hear. Today, that's called the truth. At truthnewsnet.org. Here's Dan Newman. Interesting. Orwell, boy, he nailed the head on a lot of stuff, didn't he? Freedom means you can say whatever you want to say to somebody, even if they don't want to hear it. We are long past that being okay to do anymore. I mean, we just don't talk to people now. Or if we do, we don't talk about anything that's controversial or anything important. We just find a way to blow some steam and uh, just move on to something else. Wow. Hey, I got to remind you, if you miss a show or part of a show and you want to make sure you get it anytime now, just minutes after our show ending at 11 o'clock a.m. Central every Monday through Friday, Apple Podcast picks it up, Spotify Podcast picks it up. So you can go to, if you've got an iPhone, you got the Apple iPod app, came with it. Click on the app and in the search bar, type in TNN Live. The show schedule will come up. You can click on any day. You can hear it in part or in um, the in totality, whatever you want to do. And the same thing at Spotify. Go to Spotify Podcast in the search bar, put in TNN Live. And of course, you can come back to our homepage and a story every day at the bottom of that story at the end of today's show. We will post a link to this show, this two-hour show down there. There's no reason not to get it. If you can't listen to it live, and two hours is a big commitment in a weekday. I get that. But there's always a way to circle back, as Jen Psaki does, and pick up what you missed. If you want to join us live, feel free to do so. 866-37-TRUTH. 866-378-7884. So, just got from uh, the CDC AVERS website, just got some new numbers um, and I haven't, I'm just going to read you what is in this text. Our official reporter just during the break passed this along to me. Um, deaths here in the U.S. from J&J vaccines, 511. From Moderna vaccines, 2,584. Pfizer, 2,351. Unknown. 26 total deaths 11,411 vaccination rate according to this reporter of ours who is by the way a pharmacist the vaccination rate it's reported to us is going way down not many people are coming in to get the vaccinations and I think that's probably because there's so much information that changes every day it comes out about the adverse effects of vaccinations. And people are saying, you know what, I don't want to go there. And so they're not. 
And that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be happening like we're about to tell you it's happening in New York City. His dictatorship, Bill de Blasio, the mayor, announced Friday that um, if you work for the city and you're a healthcare worker, you've got to be vaccinated. Or if you're not vaccinated, show that you have a negative COVID-19 test every week. And his weapon to use to justify this is the Delta variant. Here's what he said. We see the variant. We see the case numbers rising. It's time to act. So today, we announce something new. We need a strong, clear approach. And every single one of our workers gets vaccinated or gets tested weekly. Now, this is his doing this the first time, the first time that City Hall has mandated vaccinations or negative tests for any of the public sector workers. The mayor added it's likely that this could eventually be applied to other city workers, including teachers and police officers, if the threat posed by the Delta variant remains. Now, let me tell you what, I got to remind you of this. We've talked about this. And uh, I'm not sure that uh, you realize what's going on there, but there's another variant right behind it. And the next one, folks, it's called Lambda, is far worse than the Delta variant. How do you think we're going to handle that? What do you think we're going to hear out of D.C.? If they're looking for a way to lock us down again, and many, many people, Not the uh, conspiracy theorists. There are a whole lot of reputable people out there that feel like the government wants to do it again. And the purpose that most of them say would be in place for a desire to lock us down that would lead to one is to further inundate us with the government, big government control. And if they did that, they would be forced to do what? Give Americans money again. Now, a lot of people, when they hear me say that, it's like, oh, what's what's the downside of that? Well, the downside of that is there's only so much money you can give to people. <laughs> it got to come from somewhere, folks. And if it's not coming in and you just write a check, a hot check, and pass it out, there's a bad ending to that story every time. And that's what we're facing right now through all this crazy government spending over the last couple of years. So back to the southern border stuff. Have you heard about the latest push for the Democrat Party? They have added $10 billion to their pending $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. And that $10 billion is to help hide their huge amnesties. They're giving, if any of this stuff, this infrastructure stuff passes, that the Democrats are putting out there, any of it passes, they're giving just no restrictions. They're giving all illegals amnesty. So this extra $10 billion would provide Democrats with a talking point in the bill to fend off the obvious criticism from local voters who recognize how an amnesty of roughly oh, 8 million economic migrants would damage their wages, their wealth, and their communities. So they're talking about just uh, putting it out there. Just stick it out there, and uh, that'll give us something to spend. We can, we can kind of be offering a quid pro quo to voters. 
Senator Ben Ray Luan is a Democrat from New Mexico. He's a member of the Senate Budget Committee. He road tested that idea at Axios.com last week saying this, I've advocated for making smart, modern investments when it comes to border security. The spending would fund, quote, modernization of ports at our border and would require drug screening of all passenger vehicles and commercial vehicles that come into the United States. Let me figure this out, folks. This is a Democrat from New Mexico, a senator. And he's on the Senate Budget Committee, and he's saying, we need $10 billion extra dollars in this bill so we could modernize our ports and require drug screening of all passenger vehicles and commercial vehicles that come into the United States. I may be a novice at this, but we should be doing all that already. So why does any of this matter? It matters because Democrats already plan to include roughly $120 billion for pathways to citizenship for those dreamers, temporary protected status holders, and even undocumented, quote-unquote, essential workers. Sources said there will be even more to address immigration with more direct infrastructure ties. But even the $10 billion fig leaf, it's going to be covertly designed to accelerate migration into Americans' jobs, into Americans' neighborhoods and civic life. Details haven't yet been finalized, but the funds could be put toward facilities for handling asylum claims, more staff for higher cross-border traffic areas, expanding immigration courts to address backlogs, alternatives to detention programs, and various ports of entry repairs. $10 billion spending plan comes as the Biden folks refuse to build any more border wall with money that Congress already appropriated. That's that $3 million a day the Biden administration is paying out now to those contractors to which the federal government had contracted to build the wall. They're paying them $3 million a day not to build the wall. Sounds very logical to me. I don't know why anybody would think that would be something difficult. So the other day in a Senate hearing, Texas Senator Ted Cruz, they had uh, Tom Vilsack testifying before Congress. He is the Secretary of Agriculture in the Biden administration. And of course, as you know, everything in the Biden administration, it doesn't matter what it is, they say it includes stuff for protecting our southern border. Nobody in the Biden administration has the guts to stand up and raise their hand and say, we're for open borders. We don't like borders. We want everybody to come in. That's what they think. That's what they're doing. And this, in the context of what's happening in his state, Texas, Senator Ted Cruz went nuts with Secretary Vilsack. And every Democrat who said to a TV camera, Kids in cages, kids in cages. Mr. Chairman, why doesn't this committee have a hearing on the Biden cages? Crickets. Crickets. Instead, we have a hearing with the Secretary of Agriculture. Mr. Secretary, if we were having a hearing on the optimum fertilizer for growing corn, I think you might be a very good witness. 
Does the Department of Agriculture secure the border? We're not responsible for the law enforcement aspect of this, but so, so the, no. the secure. No, no, hold, hold on. Well, you ask a question. Allow the witness to answer. Okay, my my question was: Do you secure the border? The question, well, the answer is but, no. 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 no hold, do you run the Do you run the cages? No. Do you prosecute the traffickers? No. Are you the attorney general? No, sir. Are you the secretary of Homeland Security? No, sir. And with all due respect, your answers on immigration were fertilizer. They were nonsense. Your answer, you said, why are we seeing this crisis? Your answer was poverty. There are 7 billion people on planet Earth, many of whom were poor. And you know what? They were poor last year. And we had the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. They're poor this year. What's changed is this administration refuses to enforce the law, and Texas is paying the price for it. That's what's changed. Your other answer was the pandemic. Mr. Secretary, last year there was a pandemic. And we had the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. Poverty didn't magically uh, appear on January of 2021, and the pandemic didn't appear on January 2021. What appeared was Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and policies that are inhumane, that are cruel, and that are failing. Senator, was the border secure last year? Last year, it was the most secure it's been in 45 okay, if years. If that's the case, why didn't you all pass the Ag Modernization Act last year after it passed the House? You're telling me that it's got to secure the border before but, you pass the Act? Let me be act. clear. I'm not what? Lindsey Graham. I don't support this no, bill. Well, no, no, no. Well, look, well, look. Well, I, well, I understand the that there have been Democrats and Republicans who support why? amnesty. I ain't one of them. Why? So, why, so why I was get it? that you want amnesty. I get I, no, that your not, invitation is... Come to America, forget the legal processes that everyone... I want a workforce that's going to continue to, to support the greatest agriculture and food industry in the world. That's what I'd like to have. Senator. Well, I'll tell you, I thought you wanted him to respond. Uh, Senator, you've taken more time than any other senator this morning. Will you please wrap up? This is a crisis. This administration caused it, and this committee doesn't even care to have a hearing on the suffering that is happening at the border that is caused by policies that don't work. Thank you, Senator Cruz. Uh, let me see. Uh, Senator <laughs> Nobody wonders what goes through Ted Cruz's mind when it comes to something that especially impacts his state of Texas. And nobody can say that Texas is not the epicenter of the southern border calamity, the crisis, the earthquake, whatever you want to call it. It is the epicenter of it, and it illustrates the hypocrisy of this administration. Remember, I don't remember how many times, but it was several dozen times in his inaugural speech on January 20th, President Biden used the term unity, unity, unity. And unity is the only way to dispel fear. There is no unity in this government, with the exception of unity with other fellow lefties. There isn't any. And the American people are caught right in the middle. This thing, it could turn violent, and it could happen in just one moment. I don't know what could make it happen, but it is gaining momentum. And it's fueled by fear and hatred and divisiveness, anything but unity that this president promised. It's cases like the one I'm going to tell you about right now that just burn Americans, burn us up. 
an illegal alien that is protected by the sanctuary state of Oregon has been convicted for first-degree child sexual abuse on Friday. He's been living in the United States for at least a decade. His name is Francisco Esteban. He's a 33-year-old illegal from Mexico. He was convicted in Washington County, Oregon, on 11 counts of first-degree child sexual abuse, while more child sexual abuse charges are pending in Clackamas County in Oregon. In May of 2019, the charges state, one of the victims told her teacher a man had been sexually abusing her. So the teacher reported the abuse, and the Oregon Department of Human Services and the local police department began investigating. In the middle of the investigations, detectives uncovered that more kids had been sexually abused by Esteban. So ICE officials revealed to a journalist that Esteban was first encountered by ICE way back in 2011 while he was incarcerated at the Clackamas County Jail. At that time, Esteban was placed into ICE custody, but he was later allowed to bail out thanks to a federal immigration judge who decided to ignore the rule of law. Esteban then failed to show up for an immigration hearing He was ordered to be removed in December of 2017. In September of 2019, ICE encountered him at the Washington County Jail after he was arrested for what? Child sexual abuse. ICE issued a detainer on Esteban asking the jail hold him until they could take custody. Instead, he was released from jail. So in June of 2020, last year, the county sheriff's department arrested him one more time on more child sexual abuse charges and has remained in police custody since. And of course now, ICE has one more time issued a detainer for this child abuser, this sex fiend, Francisco Esteban. And he's expected to be sentenced August 31st of this year. Now, what does all this mean, Dan? It means you've got these far-leftist judges. You have these far-left sanctuary city and state officials who, for whatever reason or reasons, they've abandoned their commitment, their oaths of office to serve and protect the citizens of their various states and counties and cities and towns. And at the federal level, it's just as bad. And who's paying the price? In this case, it looks like dozens of the most innocent among us. Can you imagine if you were sitting in a position where you could make a determination about what should happen to someone that would even think about harming your little girl or your little your little boy, your son, and you went ahead and let it happen? What would you think about a judge that actually ignored the rule of law and force this guy to be set loose. When he was here illegally in the first place, I, I, I can't get past that. Folks, if the people that allowed him to come in would have just enforced federal law, he wouldn't have been here and none of this would have happened. But yet that's not enough 
for this government from the top down. It's not enough for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and then on down into the state level. It's not enough for those people to just do what they're supposed to do, enforce the rule of law. And now the Biden Department of Justice has dropped charges against five members of the Chinese military in our country. Five members of the Chinese military in our country who federal prosecutors previously accused of lying just to get visas, to get jobs, and a doctoral spot at United States universities. Late last week, prosecutors wrote in a court brief they would be dropping their criminal cases against those military members, all of whom had been accused of fraud in obtaining visas to get these roles at U.S. universities in California and Indiana. A senior DOJ official said the punishment for the crimes the researchers were charged with usually amounted to a couple of months in prison. And the defendants had all been detained or under other restrictions in the U.S. since their arrest a year ago. And that was the basis the agency used to determine that further litigation in the group of cases would unnecessarily prolong their departure from the U.S. A DOJ spokesman said, Recent developments in the cases has prompted the department to reevaluate the prosecutions. We've determined that it's not any longer okay to keep those people here, and it's in the interest of justice to dismiss them. They were each, all five of them, arrested in July and August of last year, part of a federal crackdown on China military members fraudulently getting visas to come here by hiding their ties to the Chinese military. University of California, San Francisco, one went there. Another one went to University of California at Davis. Another one went to the Air Force Academy. Think about this, folks. Chinese military members, what the heck would they want? What would they be looking for? And why, oh why, are they still here? And speaking of craziness in the world, I guess you may have heard, last week, boy, when the women's soccer team, U.S. women's soccer team, got thumped by Sweden, a lot of Americans, they really didn't care because a lot of the folks over there representing the United States don't want to be representing the United States. They want to play in the Olympics. But they're into the, oh, I don't even know what you call it, social justice causes, and that's driving their boat. Well, U.S. lost to France yesterday, 83-76 men's basketball. That is the worst loss ever by USA basketball in any tournament in which NBA players participated. The men's basketball team lost at the Olympics for the first time in 17 years. And their quest for a fourth gold medal in a row is already in jeopardy. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Wins and losses don't matter. We're over here representing the nation. Now, we don't like the national anthem. We don't like what it stands for. We don't like cops. We don't like the law. 
We think everybody who has a skin color different from mine in the United States is racist. And so I'm just here to play a little basketball. That's all I'm here to do, and I'm going to play basketball. And, of course, you know winning doesn't matter today like it used to. Participation is all that matters, and I got my United States uniform, my warm-ups. I got all kinds of souvenirs, and I'll always be able to say I was in the Olympics. That all That's all that matters. Nothing about pride and love of country. Those are gone. That came from a generation from the past. We don't do that anymore. I'm nauseated. I haven't watched one minute of anything in the Olympics, and I always do. There are several parts of it. I don't watch a lot, but there are several parts of it that I've really been able to get to and get excited. But through the years, every two years, you know, we go winter, summer, winter. Every two years, my interest just kind of leaks away a little bit more every couple of years, and it's as politics sneaks into it rather than just uniting around the cause of being the greatest country on planet earth. That should be enough. It should be such an honor for anybody to get to participate in the Olympics. I don't care where you're from. It should be an honor. And if you don't have pride for country, you shouldn't agree to go represent that country. And yet we've got a bunch of sycophants who aren't there and they went into it, making it very clear, we're not going to represent the country. We're going to represent ourselves. So this California thing, Gavin Newsom, recall election, it's it's not far away, it's around the corner and it, it it's really getting interesting there. He, he messed up his application to get on the ballot for the uh, the recall election, he did not list himself as a Democrat. Whoever prepared the application failed to do it. So he's just listed to be on the ballot. And if somebody's looking to vote for all of or any of the Democrats for, for governor, he's not going to be the one they pick. I don't know if it's going to make a difference. But that was kind of a stupid thing. A lot of people just shoot themselves needlessly in the foot in politics and He's done a good job of it. And he did it again with another thing. According to a federal court, the governor acted in an unconstitutional manner. He put that COVID-19 related mandate in place that bars private school children from attending classes in person. Now the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal ruled against the governor. That's very strange and very odd because the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is the furthest left of any of the federal appeals courts in the nation. The Center for American Liberty filed a lawsuit a year ago, July of 2020, and 20 plaintiffs challenged the Democrat governor's order that barred in-person teaching to 32 of California's counties. A couple of those plaintiffs said Newsom had overstepped his authority and acted illegally. California's forced closure of private schools implicates a right that has long been considered fundamental under the applicable case law, the right of parents to control their children's education and to choose their children's educational forum. That came from the judge on the panel, Daniel Collins, that wrote 
wrote the uh, opinion of the court. Because California's ban on in-person schooling abridges a fundamental liberty of those five plaintiffs that is protected by the Due Process Clause, that prohibition can be upheld only if it withstands strict scrutiny. And the California lockdown mandate doesn't survive such scrutiny, the judge wrote. I wonder if that'll apply anywhere else. I think it will because it happened in a federal court. I know there is a concerted effort on the part of many of those in government and many of those in the union world, education unions, that don't want teachers going back in person to teach kids in person. They kind of like the way it is. Stay at home, watch soap operas, teach through a Zoom, and uh, make the same money, same benefits, but you don't have to deal with those pesky kids. And of course, kids don't need to interact with each other in a setting like at school because they need to learn their social skills sitting at home on a computer, listening to a teacher preach critical race theory and makes all these little white kids, because they're white, know that they're evil because of their skin color and not for any other reason. And it makes people, kids of color, have a skewed perspective of people that are white when they grow up, when they become teenagers and and adults. And that's what's been happening. And obviously those people want it to continue to happen. Wow. There's another outrage now today, and this one's very troubling to me. It again comes from California. A couple of pro-life groups made public their outrage after it It came to light that the University of California has repeatedly requested, quote, internal genitalia and kidneys from aborted babies to be used for alleged scientific study purposes. So this group of pro-life advocates, they reached out to the University of California Board of Trustees last week to pressure them to stop the practices of removing the genitalia and other organs from aborted babies at the hospital run by the University of California, San Francisco. Can you believe this even happened? Kristen Turner, who is executive director of Pro-Life San Francisco, read with disgust an email that her group got through an open records request to the university. The message was sent by a university request clerk who wrote in claiming internal genitalia and kidneys of aborted babies. The message ends by wishing her employer a happy Thanksgiving. I don't believe I need to explain why ripping apart a body of a child that has been killed and proceeding to wish the people involved in doing so a happy holiday with their families is a form of cruelty beyond what words can express. In early June of this year, Pro-Life San Francisco received documents from UCSF requested under the California Public Records Act confirming the aborted fetal tissue research projects were conducted within the university. It's just hard for me to stomach this. Not only abort a child, but hack them up to use their organs for whatever you're going to use them for. I can't imagine needing to use them for anything good to start off with. I just don't get it. There's so much chaos. There's so much confusion. 
There's so much insanity out there. There's so much hatred. And there's fear, and it's consuming everybody. I mean, folks, this thing is just getting bigger and bigger and more powerful and stronger and stronger. And there's so much disinformation, misinformation, misrepresentation. Americans are at the tip of exploding, and I have no idea what that's going to look like. But when it happens, and I believe it will, it's going to be ugly, I promise you. A politician's worst nightmare? The truth. And you're getting it here with Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Des Moines Help Wanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Daves, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. wish the world around us was as easygoing and relaxing as this song, right? OMG. We don't have much going on around us. Let's see. We only have the uh, the storming of the southern border every day. I mean, every day, every day. It never stops. And it's being propagated and propped up by our federal government. We have that. We have probably, without question now, the highest rate of inflation in the last three, four, five decades even, when we get the final facts and we get the truth about inflation, this administration, of course, says it's a temporary thing. And what we've got to do to stop it, according to President Biden, is we've got to invest more money. First person with any common sense, if he has any, to ever promote the fact that you stop inflation by spending more money that you don't have. We have that. And we have, do you jab or do you not jab? Do you social distance or not? Do you wear a mask or not? Do you stay at home or do you not? And that never stops. It's like a merry-go-round. We get on it and we can't get off. We have all that going on. So where does the far-left news media go to find something else that they can dig conservatives with? Well, let's turn the mic over to that intellect, that brilliance that comes out of the mouth of Rachel Maddow on the the network that Democrats love to watch, MSNBC. 
Here's Rachel. It's July. <laughs> and nobody seems to know what they're up to anymore. They don't really feel the need to update anybody anymore because every time they do, they're like, we're looking for the bamboo. And the whole country laughs at them. So they don't give any updates anymore. But they haven't said they're done. What are they doing? What are they planning on doing with whatever results they finally announce? Well, you and who? Raise your hand. Now, I can see all of you through the TV screen because I am Q. And as Q, I have the power to see backwards through cameras. What? So I can see that very few of you have your hands up right now. will be reinstated by this process of pro-Trump Republicans raising money for this PAC. Save America. By saying he needs to save America. <laughs> But then he's not actually spending any of the money on anything like that at all. What is he using it to pay for again, though? Pay for my private jet gas. <laughs> Buy me a sandwich. Pay for my staff and my other expenses. Save America. This is not the time for the random, like, George Soros, anti-Semitic, Illuminati, conspiracy theory nonsense, you guys. We can do that later. <laughs> we actually have a real thing to do right now. We can come back to the crazy later. I swear, I know you love it. I kept waiting for her head to start spinning and her spewing green vomit. <laughs> With everything there is out there that could be reported on. I mean, real, factual news and information. What's Maddow's default position in her show? Let's attack Donald Trump. Let's attack conservatives. Let's call them funny names. Let's throw out George Soros's name and say that anybody that has concern for him is a conspiracy theorist. George Soros, who is the principal funder of Black Lives Matter, based on public records, $220 million last year, and of course, now we're finding out he is a contributor of over a million dollars to a group that is propagating defunding the police. But you can't think there's something up with George Soros, according to Rachel. If you do, you're nothing more than a conspiracy theorist. Well, how long was it going to be before this mandate, this COVID vaccine mandate was going to start lopping off people's heads when it comes to employment. So one of the best offensive minds in the NFL got kicked to the curb this past weekend. Rick Dennison is his name. He is an offensive genius. He's one of the most highly reputed offensive minds in the game of football. And uh, on Friday, he told the Minnesota Vikings he was out of here because he refused to get a COVID vaccine. And according to league rules, NFL rules, all tier one personnel, including coaches, are required to get the vaccine or provide religious and or medical reasons for why they cannot and will not. So they promoted, the Vikings did, Phil Rauscher from assistant offensive line coach to Phil Dennison's position. The Vikings also hired another coach, Ben Steele, who had recently been hired by Auburn as a special teams analyst to fill the position that Rauschauer had held since 2019. So what I just gave you, that information I just gave you comes straight from the ESPN uh, website. And did you notice how they just quickly moved away from Dennison being canned to, hey, here are his replacements. Because it's the NFL folks, 
Nobody wants to say anything about a bad decision, a bad choice, unfair things that the NFL is doing to their, in this case, coaches and some players. There are a bunch of players that say we're not going to be vaccinated. Now, you won't hear the NFL hang a player out there to dry regarding refusal of a COVID vaccination. You won't hear that happen. Why is that? The players have a massive collective bargaining agreement with the NFL. And guess what's in that bargaining agreement? The NFL has to abide by U.S. health laws, including that HIPAA law. You remember HIPAA? You hear about it all the time when you go to the doctor's office. Oh, we can't we can't do this. We can't give your information to another doctor unless you sign this form. HIPAA, it was actually part of a of a a funding bill that was signed into law in 1986. And the funding law was a balanced budget amendment. And it was signed into law. And it was just kind of an afterthought. We need to throw this thing into the HIPAA law. What it did was it protected a patient's private medical information. And the only way it could ever be sent or provided or allowed for anybody else to see it was if the patient specifically signed off on that happening before it could happen legally. And if you did it, it's a violation of federal law. I actually know of one circumstance that happened right after that um, to an ambulance crew in a rural county in Colorado. They worked an accident one night, late one night, and one of the men that was in the accident was in really bad shape. They transported him to the hospital, and the guy died a couple of days later. Nobody at the ambulance system thought anything about it when they got a letter that was supposedly from him requesting his medical information that included transport notes. Well, they didn't know the guy had died. They just took him to the hospital. Nobody paid attention. They thought it was him. He signed the letter. They sent him the information. Well, the information included that he was HIV positive. And whoever got the information put it out all over town. The ambulance company got sued for major dollars. In fact, the county had to uh, declare bankruptcy to pay the bill. I'm, I'm not kidding, folks. But here we are. The NFL is forcing, forcing their employees, the ones that they don't have a collective bargaining agreement with that prevents them from doing it. But Big Brother just comes down and just takes over. We're just seeing, this is just the tip of the iceberg, folks. We're just seeing this. The people that are at the top of the heap when it comes to pushing this pandemic, this vaccine environment, pushing it down our throats, they want us locked down. They want us 100% totally dependent on this federal government. Six months ago, if I'd said that, what would you have thought? Ah, you're a conspiracy theorist. Dan, that's, that's, that's not viable. That's not going to happen. The people in America won't let it happen. Look what we let happen over the last year. Did any of you miss work? Did you miss church? Did you miss going to see your kids and grandkids play football, baseball, soccer, any of the sports? Did you, um, did you go to NFL, NFL games last season? Our lives were changed, and who changed them? The federal government. 
Now, they're the first to say, we didn't lock anybody down, but they hung all this false information out there, this fear. They hung it all on a line out there, and then they let people come along that were the so-called experts that just took it and ramped it up again and again, and then we started getting all these numbers about people dying from COVID. We got all this information out of, it started on the East Coast, really, big time in New York, people dying left and right. We heard all of the the real experts coming out. It started with a Hasidic Jew doctor in upstate New York that was treating fellow Jews in his town, not with the traditional stuff that doctors were being told to use around the nation, which was basically you give them something for the headache, something for the nausea, and you make sure they're able to breathe. And if they're not able to breathe, that their O2 starts to drop their pulse ox, you check them into the hospital and put them on a ventilator. And people started dying left and right. So that information was out there. Meanwhile, this Jewish doctor in upstate New York had tremendous success. His first 100 patients that he dealt with that were all COVID positive and really in a bad way, he treated them with a cocktail of hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, some vitamins, and he didn't put them on oxygen, and they weren't hospitalized, and they all recovered. He turned all that information over to the White House. That's when Donald Trump began to talk about hydroxychloroquine. Trump, because of Fauci and others, was immediately painted as a nut job. Hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. I'm telling you, it works. I know personally And I know in dozens and dozens of cases where it's taken care of it. They didn't like it because it wasn't something that they could patent and make a bunch of big money on. It had been in the American marketplace for over 70 years effectively treating infectious diseases, folks. And it's just one thing after another. Weaponize it all. And here I am today and I'm actually saying, we're looking down the barrel of something really, really big because Americans are only going to take it so long. I think there are people now in government, even people in government that are asking the question, what can we do? What can we do to change all of this? You heard us report just a few moments ago, we passed along from one of our contributing medical experts who is in the pharmacy business that said vaccinations are plummeting. The rate of vaccinations are plummeting. And the reason they're plummeting is people are watching all of this information finally being leaked into the marketplace. And it's coming from the CDC and UDRA in Europe. The experts in this whole thing that are tracking the adverse reactions to vaccinations, including people dying from the vaccination. Two weeks ago in the U.S., Fauci didn't talk about this, but it was reported on his website, the VAERS section of the CDC website, more people died from COVID-19 two weeks ago. More people died that had COVID-19 but had vaccinations than people two weeks ago that died of COVID-19 that had not been vaccinated. So if the vaccines don't work all the time, if there understandably would be a few adverse reactions, and there may be a few people that would die from those adverse reactions, those people probably had comorbidity issues, 
That's always going to be the case. But when you have thousands of people dying that are vaccinated, but they're getting a cause of death as COVID-19, that's a red flag. And if anybody tells you that's not important enough for you to pause and take a look-see, they're not being honest. And some of the other fallout of this, listen to this. The Nebraska National Guard has started canceling training events. And they're doing this because other guard units across the nation are preparing to take even more drastic measures if Congress doesn't reimburse the National Guard Bureau for the more than half a billion dollars spent securing the Capitol since the January 6th riot there. So the annual weapons qualification this coming weekend for some members of the Nebraska National Guard was canceled. And they did that to save on travel, on lodging, meal costs, all of which has been scaled back to save money. Major Scott Inglesby said this, we just couldn't incur the cost. Instead, the Guard will conduct a training weekend at its home base. An upcoming marksmanship exercise for early August was also canceled. Now, this is going to spread beyond Nebraska to other states if the National Guard is not reimbursed half a billion dollars for the cost of the securing the Capitol through May. If funding isn't sorted by the 1st of August, this list is going to grow. Now, who's going to pay that bill? Who's going to pay that half a billion? It'll get paid. Oh, yeah, they've got to do it. So Congress will find a way. They'll write another check on an account that not only doesn't have any money in it, it is trillions of dollars in the red. But they'll write another check, this time $521 million. And our great, 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 great grandkids and their kids are going to be the ones that will end up having to pay the bill or suffer the uh, instances of bankruptcy. Got a phone call coming in. Let's see who it is. Good morning. Who is this? Hello, are you there? Hello, hello. I'm sorry, we couldn't get the phone call. I wonder what happened. Anyway, we'll get back to it. There is a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of untruth. And uh, we just can't get enough of it. We can't get it because every time we get our arms around something, something happens. Oh, well. We're going to be okay, but okay may mean something or some things that we really didn't want in the first place. Now, let's circle back real quickly. This inflation thing that we talked about. Joe Biden adamantly has says we do not have threatening inflation in our nation. The experts, they all differ with him. Um, calls coming in again. Let's give this a whirl. Let's try this one more time. Hello, are you there? Good morning. Yeah, I sure am. Good morning. Good morning. Hey there, how are you? I'm well. I'm, I'm well. And I'm calling uh, because you mentioned something that I think is really important. And what was that? Um, well, what we notice about the Olympics this year is there's a complete lack of unity around it. Nobody's interested. 
it's not a, a public celebration as <clears throat> it used to be, but it reminded me of the 1985 hit single by Michael Jackson, We Are the World. Yeah. And, you know, right now with what all the division that's being created, all the chaos that's been created, it's like a great time to bring that song back <clears throat> and understand or motivate people to understand that we are the world. And we need to stop the chaos. We need to stop the political lies. We need to stop the maneuvering with the, the global globalist movement uh, that's behind the, the virus and the vaccines and take back our planet. And if we collectively hold our hands together in a big movement like that, um, we can do it. Well, let me do this. Let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Long Beach, California. California, okay. Perfect example there. Obviously, California is a microcosm of what you just talked about. The, The disassociation, the angst, the division, people not pulling together. That was a great song, by the way. Uh, we are the yeah. world. It, it zoomed to the top of the charts around the nation because it was so meaningful. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember when that song came out, and I remember it, we were in a contentious time. There was a lot of divisiveness. People yeah. were looking around and began to distrust people. And of course, here we are. We're right back in the same place, but it's it's it, it's at a much different level. I'm 67 years old, and. Uh, I can say from my perspective, I've been through Vietnam. Uh, I didn't go there, but I, I was I was here. I remember Kent State, all of the places where there were um, uh, ter- uh, people were out demonstrating. There were protests. There were riots. And several Kent State students were actually shot and killed by National Guardsmen during that. I remember how tough it was then. But I think we're at a level now that we've never, I've never seen in my lifetime, and we hear stories about it. But do you think, is there really a way, using the Olympics or some other thing, is there any way that we can find consensus of some sort with which we could really affect some kind of healing of our nation? Do you think we can do even do that now? Oh, good question. You know, healing comes... Um after you stop the disease. And right now, we understand that politically the globalists want to create division everywhere. You know, Black Lives Matter, the LGBT issues, um, everything that Soros seems to invest in is created to divide the country over an issue. Is there a way and, we can? Is there a way that we can get through that? Is there a way to get consensus when you have? I mean, you mentioned Soros's name, and we, uh, we you know, we we just talked a few moments ago about him funding two hundred twenty million dollars last year that we know about to Black Lives Matter, who are avowed Marxists, who are down there supporting uh, the Cuban government, not the Cuban people, so they're proving they are Marxist. But you have big shots, as you call them, globalists that are actually trying, they are, I mean, exhibiting great efforts to further divide us. And they're the ones, you got all the money, you can get all the attention, at least your causes can. Is there some way we, me and you, you're in Long Beach, I'm in 
Northwest Louisiana, or we, the American people, in a situation where we can turn this ship around? Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the concept of unity that just that one song uh, produced around the world is something that we can learn from and either duplicate or revive in a movement where everybody who understands that we're being attacked by globalists, we're being, uh, we're watching uh, senators, uh, mayors, police chiefs, and judges do the most unusual, out-of-character things in their p- political platforms or their judicial platforms. We need to understand that there's an influence being exerted on those people, which is terrifying. More terrifying to them, I believe, than the loss of their own life. But these people are certainly under pressure or threat because there's no logic behind the data. There's no logic behind, for example, preventing hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin being prescribed, but doctors are under threat. They're under threat by people at the CDC. The people at the CDC are not rationally making these decisions because the data is there, the scientific evidence is there. But they use the talking heads in the media who are paid for by the same people who I predict are causing the threat. And they're compromised. What can we do? So a lot of what, what will well, it take to make we, it happen? We need to hold hands, spread information, spread the truth, spread the science, spread the data, and keep a conscious eye on our objective. And that is to stop this evil from infecting the world. Boy, those are great points. I really appreciate you calling in and sharing that. I, I haven't even thought about that song and its meaning until you brought it up. I can hear it now, and I remember the impact it made. Of course, Michael Jackson had major influence worldwide, and his participation in that project opened doors that sure. few have ever been able to open before or since. That's a great thing to think about. Thanks a lot for calling. Hey, you're welcome. Have a great Thanks one. Your show. Okay, thank you. From California, a place where obviously there is a a big need for reconciliation and getting along. We're going to take another break here and we're going to go right back to the inflation story that we talked about. And I think you want to hear this, so make sure you sit tight. Back in two minutes at TNN Live. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. 
BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. It seems like every summer starts with a song. Maybe it's one we heard on the radio during our morning drive. Or maybe it was playing in the cafe we ducked into for lunch. Wherever they catch us, certain songs seem to take us away. Songs of waves and sand, of forests and hillsides, of growing up and growing old. Songs that get in our heads and make us smile as we hum them to ourselves. Songs of the sun coming up and the ragtop going down. Of friends we just met and the ones we'll have for life. Songs that define the moments, like the ones we find in Michigan, where we take our someday list and start to check things off. A day spent gliding on a sailboat, floating on a pontoon, and climbing over that next hill. A rhythm that takes us somewhere better, somewhere like pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. As politics grow ever more chaotic, remember this truth. When you're taking heavy flack, it usually means you're over the target. Open the Bombay doors. Truthnewsnet.org. Your pilot on this mission, Dan Newman. Boy, is that appropriate, what Pete Moss said. I think we're over the target, as our caller from California said. We got to do something. And it begins with kind of finding a way to get along. Nobody can do it solo. I mean, it's never going to happen that way. It's way too big. And in fact, I think a lot of what we're hearing pushed our way every day from the media, um, as, as he called them, I like that term, talking heads in the media. A lot of what we're being pushed is the desperation that we, the people, can't do anything, that we've got to rely on those people who are at the top of this thing, the ones that have all the money, all the power, all the authority to get things done, and we're going to have to let them do it. That's not the case. At least it's not the case yet. And we got to right this ship. One thing that's not going to help us turn the ship in the water is inflation. It's hit a 13-year high already here in the U.S. And in the midst of that, a bunch of companies are having to do what? Raise prices. So why are they raising prices? Because everybody they get their stuff from is raising prices. Costs for materials like aluminum, lumber, in addition to rising prices for gas and vehicles. The day Biden was elected, November 3rd, till yesterday, the price of gasoline here is up a buck and a quarter. And there's no justification for it. It's pure inflation. According to AAA, gas prices are averaging $3.15 a gallon today. That's the highest in at least seven years. The chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, Treasury Secretary Janet Lellen, and White House, they all say the inflation trend is temporary. But that's political speech, folks. Corporate chieftains aren't waiting for the final verdict. They're already taking action in the form of price hikes. They've got to protect their entities. With Americans watching the pandemic as it seems like it's it was in the rearview mirror, but it seems like it's coming back right now, an Irving, Texas-based company was forced to raise prices on its toilet paper after the company said it expects to earn between $6.65 and $6.90 more per share 
That's down from a previously projected $7.55. So along with falling stock prices, the company's net sales growth is projected to be 1% to 3% lower than the prior 3% to 5% growth. Now, what does that mean? Oh, if you listen to the administration, these evil corporations, they're making all this money. They're doing it on the backs of the American people. Folks, who owns these publicly traded companies? It's not an isolated little group of the top 2 or 3% of money makers in the United States like the left wants us to believe. And like we're told by the talking heads, it's by you and me. If you have a if you have a retirement fund, a simple IRA, you own stock in a lot of these companies. When that money's held out of your paycheck at work and it goes into that money market fund, that fund invests the money that is pooled by people like you and me. It's pooled and it's used to purchase stocks and bonds. And you better hope they're spending that buying stocks and bonds of very successful companies. Harley-Davidson. I mean, what a great company. I own two Harleys. I've been all over North America on the back of a Harley. I have an earring in my left ear that I got at a street festival in Montreal, Canada on a trip on the back of a Harley. And I'm a Harley guy. I'm a bicycle, uh, a, a motorcycle guy, but I'm a, really a Harley guy. Their costs are going through the roof. Aluminum, lumber, biggest inflationary increases, and that has to be spread across the whole entire economy. Harley's had to raise their prices just in a matter of months, 2%. That doesn't sound like much. But when you're looking at billions and billions and billions of dollars, that's a lot of money. And what are we doing? What are our plans? The Biden plan is... There's no inflation problem. Oh, to keep from having inflation, here's what we've got to do. You know, we've got about $6 trillion in spending plans out there pending before Congress. If we pass those $6 trillion, go borrow $6 trillion more, we're going to be able to take care of that and you, and we won't have any inflation. Everybody's going to be in great shape. You're just saddling a future, big future group of Americans with a whole lot of debt that I don't see any way we're ever going to get it paid for. I just don't see it. One of my my favorites in Congress, I love Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio. He's a plain talker. He's a nuts and bolts kind of guy, and what he says, you can believe it, and you know when he says it that he believes it. Well, Larry Kudlow's another one of those big names. Larry, and and they, they travel in two different worlds. Larry Kudlow is one of the greatest economists in the world. And he does a show on Fox Business. And he had Jim Jordan on. And they were talking primarily about uh, that committee that Nancy Pelosi and the House put together to investigate the reasons and the purposes and those who were involved and responsible for the January 6th riots She's doing that while the FBI has been hard at it for a long time. Well, actually, since January 6th, finding out and holding all those responsible. And they've arrested over 500 people. They started, uh, actually, one guy was sentenced to prison last week. 
We don't hear anything about the names or the perpetrators specifically, and I don't know why the FBI won't put that out there. But nevertheless, Pelosi thinks that's not good enough. So she put this committee together, and they're going to find out everybody involved and hold them accountable. Well, here is uh, Larry Kudlow with Jim Jordan yesterday, and they talked about that and a whole lot more. This Freedom Caucus is asking Kevin McCarthy to oust Nancy Pelosi as speaker. That's after she picked on my friend Jim Jordan. She's always picking on my friend Congressman Jim Jordan, who is right here. There he is. She's got something against you. Did you run over her, over her dog or something, or are there bigger issues here, Mr. Jordan? <laughs> Uh, I think there's just one one issue, and that's politics. We know this 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 whole January 6th committee is all about politics. Just one more one more time to go after President Trump, uh, Larry. So good to be with you. Um, but yeah, that that's what this is. I mean, frankly, Larry, what else are they going to talk about? They're going to they're going to you were just talking about inflation. They're going to talk about the price of goods. I mean, everything is up. Gas is up. Eggs, milk, bread, lumber, airline tickets, used cars. Everything. The price of they, they can't talk about that. They can't talk about crime in all our urban areas is, is, is up like crazy because they've defunded the police, they've attacked the police, and they certainly can't talk about the border. I mean, think about this. March was the worst month on record for illegal crossings until April. April was the worst month until May. May was the worst month then until June. That is what you call a bad trend. So, so they got nothing else to talk about, so they're just going to continue to go after President Trump and focus on this uh, January 6th committee. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that all that stuff is a distraction. I think that's what you said as well put. You know, the, the, the long and the short of it is things are not going well for Biden, you know, woke, progressive left Pelosi policies. You got inflation. And no. as you mentioned, you got the border. The whole defund police thing has turned into a political catastrophe for them. So I agree with you. This is just distraction yep. and it's just nonsense. Yeah, well, I mean... This is probably the worst six-a-month start to a presidency, mm. certainly in our lifetime. I've never seen anything this bad. I mean, like I said, inflation, the border crisis, crime, the defund the police, not to mention the fact that we had peace in the Middle East and Joe Biden comes into office and we get thousands of rockets fired on our friend and ally Israel. So, um, I mean, you could go on and on. So this is a terrible start. They got nothing else to talk about. So their old playbook is, oh, Bob Mueller, impeachment one, impeachment two. And now this, I think, is frankly impeachment three. Their only play they can run is to attack President Trump. I don't think it's going to fly. Now, there is one question that needs answered. One question does need answered. I think this is why she kicked us off. The question that needs answered is why wasn't there a proper security presence that day? Mm -hmm. I mean, Larry, we, we knew there was a big rally in town. It's not like we didn't know that. It's not like we don't know when President Trump has a rally. Lots of people come. I was at one five weeks ago in Lorain County, Ohio, 40-some thousand people. So why wasn't there the proper security presence there? My hunch is it's because what happened all last summer? Democrats normalized anarchy. They said if you're a rioter, you're a looter, you, you attack police, you destroy small business, you hurt innocent civilians, we're going to continue to defund the police and we're going to raise money to bail you out of jail. And that, with that backdrop and that background, it makes it kind of tough to say, oh, we need more police here on January 6th. We need the National Guard here. So that's the question that needs to be answered. I don't think they're going to answer that on this committee. As I said, I think they're just going to go after President Trump. That's why Pelosi didn't want Jim Jordan and those other two real conservative Republicans on that committee. And uh, she made history when she announced last week she was not going to allow them to serve. First time in history when there is a quote-unquote bipartisan committee put together to look into something in Congress 
And the majority party picks, obviously, the most to serve on the committee that come from their party, in this case, the Democrat Party. The minority leader, Kevin McCarthy from California, he's a Republican. He gets to choose those who serve on that committee that are Republicans. First time in history in Congress. Nancy, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, first time a House Speaker has ever said a Republican cannot serve on a committee. A member of the minority party does not have the right to serve on a committee. And they tell us, remember, Joe and Nancy and Chuck, we're bipartisan. We want to work together. We're the party of unison. The Republicans are the divisive ones. It's not us. Deflect, 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 and deny, deny, deny. So who are the big promoters in Congress who have been? The big promoters the initiators, the perpetrators, the purveyors of the continued defund the police movement. This is in spite of what the president said two weeks ago. They got on this thing at the White House like, the Republicans are saying we're wanting to defund the police and that's a lie. It's Republicans that want that to happen. Americans stood up and said, you guys are nuts. We know it's the Democrats doing it. Several radical leftists who are members of the squad in the House. Who are they? You know who they are. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Jamal Bowman. He's a newly elected member from uh, New York. Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and another newbie, Cori Bush from St. Louis. They are all well-known for their rhetoric pushing for American cities to defund the police departments. It's, of course, their right to advocate for what is already proven to cause a dystopian reality across American cities. They can ask and push for whatever they want, but they're not immune to criticism for being hypocrites. Now listen to this. As it turns out, public data we found from the campaigns of those that we mentioned above, they've got to disclose to the Federal Election Commission all of their expenses, their political expenses. Several Democrats who are numbered among this group who advocate for cuts to cops' budgets spent thousands of campaign dollars on security for themselves. So, looking at the FEC reports from the first two quarters of this year, tens of thousands of dollars were spent by squad members' campaigns, and they're categorized in the report to the Federal Election Commission, as security services. So apparently even those who demonize America's law enforcement officers still want to have the peace of mind that comes from knowing there's someone out there that's going to protect me and make sure nobody messes with me. So while these uh, squad members have the money to throw thousands at private security firms, millions of Americans, meanwhile, including those in their own districts that are being overrun with violent crime in the wake of cuts to the police budgets, millions of regular folks like you and me now live under the everyday threat of a random drive-by or a stray bullet senselessly cutting our lives shorter of some of our loved ones. Missouri Democrat Cori Bush's campaign paid a handful of entities totaling more than $98,000 from January through June this year. 
despite her frequent statements advocating for police budgets to be slashed. She said, it's not a slogan. It's a mandate for keeping our people alive. Defund the police. Meanwhile, her community deals with the highest murder rate in 50 years. And then there's AOC. Defunding police means defunding police. That's just one quote that came from AOC. Yet her campaign racked up more than 60 grand in security costs just this year so far. Additional notes on her FEC report showed this included an alarm system, most of which automatically notify cops when an alarm is triggered. Her expenditures also included more than $6,000 paid to a company that installs window films, including some that make them impact and shatter resistant. Her desire for security makes sense. I get that. New York is seeing a spike in crime so bad that it looks like an ex-cop is likely to be its next mayor. There's very, very little, if any, common sense in Washington, D.C., and that is an understatement, no doubt about it. Hey, folks, thank you so much for being here today. Great way to start the week. Thank you for starting it with us. We had a huge crowd online joining us today. Don't forget, if you missed it, you can always go back and pick it up Apple Podcast, and in the search bar, put TNN Live. Every show is there. You can grab it, pull it down, listen to it there, or download it. Same thing at Spotify. Go to Spotify Podcast, search bar, put in TNN Live, and you can do the same thing. I hope the rest of the first day of your work week is good. I hope it's better. And I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow morning. Don't miss a day. Thank you so much for being a part of this. You have a great Monday. And find somebody you can speak into their lives.